0: Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories, brought to you by Refuge Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show. Hi, this is Dave Shear, the host of Refuge Freedom Stories. Today I'm with a good friend of mine, Deb Whitmore, and she is an intercessor, a teacher, a prophet, and has many other spiritual gifts. Deb how are you today?
1: I'm great Dave how are you?
0: I'm doing fantastic. This is Refuge Freedom Story so this is your story and we'd like to maybe tap into how you became a Christian and put a time frame on that and what changes happened in your life and how relevant God is in your life today and helping you through everything you're going through.
1: Okay well I was a typical daddy's girl. My dad and I were best friends. And I loved doing things with him and like him. So growing up, I was the proverbial tomboy because I preferred to climb trees. I preferred to play street hockey and do all the boy things like dig in the the sandbox, have tractors and, and cool stuff like that. We lived in a small town where everybody knew everybody and we were part of the culture that had grown up in that town because both of my parents had lived there and grew up there. And we fit. But then after a while, my dad switched jobs and we had moved to a number of different places. And when we moved, it was culture shock, really, because we went from a small town where everybody knew everybody to a larger town, which was a small city. We moved to Stratford mega culture mega press and theater and and everything Mm -hmm. and I didn't fit there and I knew it I didn't fit at school I didn't have very many friends and things just didn't fit and daddy's girls did not fit especially emotional ones So I got in a number of fights because I was bullied so much. And then soon after we'd moved there, three years had passed and we left there and moved to another smaller town in southwestern Ontario, Mm -hmm. which was much more clicky and not necessarily cultured, but they had their own culture of hockey, hotels and horse racing. Okay. And which none of them fit our family at all. When we moved there, my dad had determined to stop drinking due to his health. Going to a hotel and drinking throughout the evening was not on his radar. We were not into gambling at horse races, and my dad was not a hockey fan. <laughs> <Yeah. So.
0: laughs>
1: And we moved to a farm, you know, I'd never lived on a farm before and and we'd moved to a farm and that was my dad's new job. And again, I didn't fit and we moved there and I was in grade seven and I just nothing fit. And I so desperately wanted to be a part of something and a part of the teenage group or the in crowd or something. Mm -hmm. And I determined that at that point that girl stuff was not for me. So Girl Guides and 4-H and stuff was not for me because, you know, I was a tomboy. So at that point, I joined the Sea Cadets and thoroughly loved it. I loved the structure and I loved the military Mm -hmm. themes and just different things in it. I still didn't fit there, but I fit a little bit more. Yes. And while I was there, I went to camp a few summers, and I still tried to fit in the crowd of the town that was very clicky. So I got involved in the wrong crowd Uh for a period of time, and that crowd was the let's go out and, and party, let's go out and spend you know, the afternoon drinking beer and the group I was part of, they were doing drugs, but I was terrified of my dad. So I never ever touched any of that yeah, stuff. Yep. Because You know, back in the day, he'd say, if
0: you touch drugs, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't mean it. He didn't mean it, but that
1: was, you know, their way of controlling things,
0: right? Well, throughout those
1: teenage years, between 14 and 17, I had become the target of men who had better ideas of things. And I became the victim of, of sexual abuse on a number of fronts. And that mixed with socially not fitting physically, because I was very tall and lanky and not physical, but not able to be physical because of rapid growth and muscles and stuff not keeping up. It stole my value and it stole my worth as a person, as a, as a woman or as a teenager. And I struggled with that. I struggled a lot with that some of the abusers had told me and had convinced me that if my parents ever found out about what was going on that they would hate me and at 15 i went to a party with a friend i had made plans to spend the weekend at her house while my parents went away for easter weekend and i went to this party with her and i was date raped and at that point she told her parents afterwards and her parents, who were Christians, very clearly directed me to the fact that premarital sex was a sin. And, you know, what do they do with that? But you've sinned. And then they Excuse told me. my parents.
0: You were raped? I was raped. And they were telling you that was your sin? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Disgusting.
1: They told my parents, and my parents showed up to pick me up, and I saw my dad's heart break in his eyes. And I kind of, at that point, knew that something was going to be different, that our relationship was now broken, in a way, and that things were going to be very different. Being 15, you really don't understand the reactions of people. So my parents, in their naivety and in their hurt and in their, their shock and pain, their response was, okay, you're grounded. You're not leaving the house except to go to school. You're getting on the school bus. You're coming home from school and you're getting off the school bus and you are not doing anything outside of what we are taking you to to do and coming home. Yeah. And you're not allowed to see your best friend and you're not this and this and this. And in my mind at 15 and being told that my parents would hate me if they ever found out about anything, I was convinced that that was happening, that I was now the bad person, the one who destroyed everything. And my parents hated me. And at that time, we were also in the process of my dad changing jobs again, and we were moving again to a new city. And I had absolutely no value at all. In fact, by the time we had moved to the new city, I had went on a trip that summer to British Columbia and got into the same trouble there that I'd been in, following in the same pattern of abuse or, or promiscuity. Yep. Because, you know, when you get in that cycle, that's all you know. And you get a sense of security from what you know, even though it's bad or even though it's destructive. But it's still something that's secure.
0: It's a comfort zone, yeah.
1: It is. And when I came home from British Columbia, we had moved to a new city. We were starting over. Everything was going to be different, except the relationship with my parents was not different. It was still tense. It was still argumentative. And I was at 16 looking for a way out. Yep. The best and simplest way to end my pain, end the arguing, because it was all my fault in the first place. And I was in that zone of what would be the best way. Do I use pills? Do I use some physical way of harming myself so that I can just end this this torture? And in that, a neighbor to our new home had come knocking on our door and had asked if I would be interested in babysitting her children on Wednesday evening so that she and her husband could attend a Bible study. And I figured, why are you asking me? Because I'm I'm worthless,
2: right?
1: Why are you asking me to do this? And that was my thought pattern. So she convinced me to do that. So I began to babysit her children. And they were involved in the charismatic movement within the Catholic Church.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: And they would come home after their Bible studies on Wednesday evenings. After being baptized in the Holy Spirit and filled with the Spirit, they would come home and they would be joyful and they would be excited. and. They would share with me testimonies of things like healings that were taking place at these Bible studies. And then over the course of a short time, this lady became my friend. And she began to be the person that I could run to when I needed emotional support or I needed to get out of my parents' house because all we were doing was arguing and yelling at each other. So I would go to school then I would go to her house after dinner and I'd just be a wreck and she would go and pick up her bible and come and sit with me at the kitchen table and read her bible out loud to me. Wow. She never gave me she never gave me any counsel. She never told me what I needed to do. She never ever condemned me. Yep. Never told me I was worthless, never told me I was a sinner. All she did was read and For some reason, that reading would give me enough strength to get through the next day at home and at school and then Mm -hmm. back home, and then I'd be at her place the next night going through the same process.
0: So you were eating it up, basically. I was
1: eating it up. I had no idea why this was happening. I had no idea what it was that was giving me strength. And so one day, probably only a month or a couple months after this process started, Mm -hmm. I went to her and I said, I understand that you're reading the Bible to me because I know what the Bible is. I was raised in a very traditional church growing mm. up, but nothing with life. So I knew what the Bible was. And I said, I know you're reading the Bible to me, but what is it about your Bible that gives me life when mine doesn't? And she then introduced me to Jesus Wow! and told me that He loved me and he cared about me and he valued me. And that all I had to do was come to him and say, Jesus, I am so sorry for not recognizing you. I'm so sorry for being separated from you. Mm -hmm. But would you come into my heart and make me new, make me a new creature? And I said the prayer with her and God changed me that moment he changed me
0: beautiful oh my goodness
1: he took me from being something that was worthless and hated and absolutely broken to someone who was loved and cared for and i knew at that moment i knew at that moment that he loved me and that i was important to him and shortly after that I was going to go to church with her, but because my family was a very strong, traditional church family, going to the Catholic church was not a good choice. So I couldn't go to church with her. And so she suggested me look at the Pentecostal church Mm -hmm. in the city. Yes. And so I considered that, but there was something like a a knot or something in my stomach about that too. And I knew it would be an issue at my house as well. So I prayed. And I said, God, I'm hungry. I need a church where I know that you want me to go and I know that it won't cause conflict in my home. And so I went to the phone book and I opened up the phone book and there was this ad for a little church called Wings of Faith Tabernacle. And it said non-denominational. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought... Bingo. Bingo perfect.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I began to go to
1: this little non-denominational church and they were filled with the spirit. Mm. The, the worship leader danced as he led worship. They had regular prophecy. They had prayer for healings and we saw healings happen. Wow. And, it, and I knew I walked in there And I was immediately part of a family.
0: Beautiful. So from there to today, you've come so long and so far, and you're on the board for Refuge Ministries. You have all kinds of spiritual gifts. And how has God helped you through life since then till now?
1: God has made himself known in a number of ways. Through trials, I have been in situations where I have not had any physical way of providing for the needs of our family. And God has provided When we bought our first home, we were overjoyed that God had provided us this great, wonderful home for a great price. And not four months into having it, my husband got called to school. We were living on a very limited apprenticeship income, which meant that it was going to be cut in half again because of unemployment for school, and we now had three children, and he needed to go to school to accomplish his apprenticeship. I said to the Lord, I said, if this is what he needs to do, then you need to step in and, and provide for us. And from the day he entered school to the day he ended school, our bank account did not go below $1,000. Wow. And to this day, I cannot explain it yep. because mm. our bank account was never at $1,000.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Even getting the full salary that he was making while working, our bank account was never at $1,000. <laughs> God just provided. And I don't know how he provided it. I don't understand it, but he did. He provided that. That's amazing. Our oldest boy was born with a physical disability that none of us knew anything about prior to his birth. And I remember our pastor coming into the room the next day and he stood beside my bed and he said, it's okay. Everything will be okay. We have great doctors. We have a great medical teams that are set up in this city that can deal with this issue. And I remember looking at him and saying, how dare you? What do you (laughs) mean? How dare you? I said, you're my pastor. You're the spiritual leader. Yep. And you're telling me that medical doctors can take care of this? Yeah. How do you know that this is not God's plan to save my parents? How do you know that God's plan is not to heal him in front of my parents to produce yep. a revelation of his truth? And my pastor took two steps back and said, you're all right with this, aren't you?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I am, because God had intervened. Beautiful and i didn't realize it until i met other parents Mm. that had children with the same disability yes and they were devastated by it they were so devastated they didn't want pictures of their children they didn't want to hold their child when when they were born my goodness because of the deformity i guess and I didn't understand that because God had intervened. He was there. He gave me his peace. Yes. And he told me that I was beautiful and that my son was beautiful.
0: Oh, my gosh. That's so beautiful. And
1: that he had called both of us to Mm -hmm. something great.
0: Absolutely. Trials come, testings come, and
1: I've learned I can trust my relationship with the Lord.
0: That's beautiful. Deb, after all that. If you could go back and maybe say something to your younger self or leave a message with our listeners as we're wrapping up here, something that is meaningful to you, a message, a scripture, what would you tell yourself or leave with the listeners today?
1: One of the greatest scriptures, I think, is Ephesians 2, where the Lord tells us through the Apostle Paul that he has already determined the works and the plans for us. He's already established them before the foundation of the world, and it's our responsibility to walk them out. Mm. And I think if we can grab onto that, if we can hold onto that and grab the depth of that understanding that God has already got plan A. There is no plan B. There is no plan C. He has plan A in hand. He's already determined what our purpose and our goal is. So we now have value because God has already established a purpose for us in our lives. Mm. And we just need to enter into relationship with him come to him as a seeker and say what is my purpose show me the plan help me walk in it and that's all we have to do because he's faithful to accomplish it he's faithful to show us it he's faithful to walk us through it
0: absolutely
1: and provide everything that we need to get through
0: it amen deb Thank you so much for sharing with us today. I wish we had more time. I just wish the biggest blessings on you and your children, and I love you guys. I just appreciate you so much, and thank you for sharing today from your heart.
1: Thank you for inviting me, and God bless the listeners.
2: Amen. I was sitting in my kitchen alone the other night Thinking about old time, close call in my life Through a crack in my past, I clearly saw The love of a friend got me through it all a true friend indeed, it is something that cannot be bought when you're down on your knees, a friend is all you need, and that's when a little means a love. Oh, 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 that's when a little means a love. Now, there's a fine balance to where we all stand right now. The reflection in my mirror could be six feet in the ground. And the man in the mansion could be the man out on the street. The difference, the timing of a heartbeat. A friend in need Is a true friend indeed And it's something That cannot Be bought When you're down On your knees A friend is all You need And that's when A little means a love oh, oh That's when a little Bees A friend in need Is a true friend indeed And it's something that cannot be bought When you're down on your knees A friend is all you need And that's when A little means a lot oh, oh, oh. That's when A little means a lot Say it again That's when a little means a lot.
0: I hope that you have enjoyed the last half hour as much as I did. Thank you again to Refuge Ministries Canada for hosting the show. So until next Friday, may God richly bless you with peace, love, and happiness. We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a non-profit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That's 519-701-0108. God bless you.